This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere, Wednesday, September 30th, wherever and however you're connected, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with 1980s football uniform preservationist, Jerem Jordan. Uh, we're going to dig into this a little bit today, but uh, BYU Equipment released a photo of uh, what they're going to wear this week. This is now the release of what BYU is going to wear, which is fun. We don't have to wait till game day or, or whispers. It's royal on white, which sounds like a sandwich. But uh, it's, that's a good look. I'm excited about it. I love the uni look BYU's going with this year. So far, so good. So at the Keel Zone said, "There's a whole Brian Keel. There's a whole generation of Y alums who never got the honor to rock the Royals. Mm, so clean, including Brian. Uh, BYU busted out the Royals in '09, the year after he graduated. Uh, longtime good linebacker BYU played in the NFL. These kids have no idea how jealous I am. And then he responded, "Oh, and bless those poor souls who had to wear the bibs." <laughs> The bibs were so bad, right? <laughs> the name alone makes me cringe. Listen, the bibs. Nike doesn't miss on much. That was miss, you know. I, I'm like hundred. I'm like ninety nine point nine percent in on Nike, right? And that was a miss. That was a big swing. That's and okay then though. Fall down in the it's, dirt. P- part of the creative process is failing. You have to fail to succeed. There's no such thing as success without failure. They're so, succeeding right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Maybe uh, BYU benefited later from the uh, the failure of that. I believe that the royal jerseys with white pants is probably the favorite uniform combination of most BYU fans. We'll find out today. We'll find out today. Our question of the day, one that BYU football equipment and their staff will appreciate. Specifically, what is your favorite BYU football helmet all time and why? Send in your responses with the hashtag BYUSN. We should probably add a poll question about the favorite uniform combo as well. It's fun. It's fun. Everybody cares about this, about what BYU football looks like when they run onto the field. Let's gear up for today's show lineup because we're exploring the outer reaches of Zach Wilson's ever-growing expectations. What's the ceiling for the BYU junior quarterback? Let's have him wear royal on royal once again, huh? Former BYU quarterback and national champion Blaine Fowler will answer the ceiling question. Plus, is it fair to expect BYU football to run the table? with its schedule as currently constituted, and how BYU Athletics is pioneering the name, image, and likeness compensation movement for student-athletes. Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. Game day eve eve for the Cougars and Bulldogs of Louisiana Tech, both their top 10 in scoring and top 25 in yards, by the way, early on. BYU head coach Kalani Stocky says he isn't taking La Tech lightly. Uh, we have a lot of respect for them as a program, and things that we see on film we, we know that they're talented and I think the focus for us is to, for us to play at our best and then perform at our best and, and face any adversity that may come with with uh, you know with high effort and energy. La Tech won 10 games last year impressive. Pre-game begins on BYU Radio 7 Eastern then BYU TV's countdown to kickoff 8 Eastern Friday Night Football. Louisiana Tech head coach Skip Holtz, the son of legendary Lou Holtz, Lou Holtz. spoke about BYU football's explosive offense yesterday. How does he feel about matching up with a team that has scored 103 points in the first two games? It's going to be one heck of a challenge for our for our defense because really when you have a an offense that is 
as multiple and can be successful on the ground as through the air, it makes them very difficult to stop when they have the balance that BYU has right now. For the record, the Bulldogs defense currently allowing 34 points a game, including giving up 38 to Houston Baptist. Good FCS team, but yeah. BYU was holding as a 23-and-a-half-point favorite going into Friday night's game. Oh, that massive line. We'll talk about that on tomorrow's show, the uh, overachievement by Vegas Sanders for BYU. NCAA.com's Andy Katz has BYU as an 11 seed in his latest March Madness projection. Cougs are 38th in his overall ranking. The Zags are the top team. Color me shocked that Gonzaga is projected as a number one seed. Former BYU basketball great T.J. Haas and his European team Trafel Sopot take down their latest opponent, 82-66, in 24 minutes. T.J. scores 10 points, grabs five rebounds, added two assists and two steals. Haas and Trafel Sopot next play on October 4th. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. Talking about it, and so are we. It's what's trending on BYU Sports Nation. The Zach Attack climbs higher. Pat Forty of Sports Illustrated wrote the following about BYU's junior quarterback in his latest 40 yard dash and included Wilson as one of seven quarterbacks in his, quote, too early Heisman watch. And I continue with the quote The Cougars have been a big play offense, and that starts with Wilson. He's the only quarterback averaging more than Trevor Lawrence's 11.04 yards per play, checking in at 11.31. There's a long way to go, but Wilson's 78.3% accuracy rate is well ahead of Steve Young's single-season school record of 71.3. End quote. Yes, only two games, but already some lofty numbers. Heisman hype for real two weeks in. What's the realistic ceiling for Zach Wilson this season, Jerem? Well, the hype is uh, whatever at this point. It's it's two games in. It's okay. But, uh, yeah, Zach, Zach's ceiling to me is leading this season in undefeated BYU. If BYU goes undefeated this season, we'll remember Zach forever. We'll think of him in the same breath, right, of, of some of the greats because he had a season that merited it. The, to be a great quarterback at BYU is not necessarily numbers-based, although that's a big thing we discuss. It's whether you had that special season. Brandon Doman had the 0-1 season. And so we talk about Brandon Owens. Sark had the 96. Obviously, uh, Nielsen and Scheide and Wilson and McMahon and Young and Bosco and Detmer and Beck and Hall. Uh, did I miss anybody in, like, the A and B list? Maybe Walsh, right? Um, the, Taysom Hill we talk about because of his physical nature but never had that special season. But Zach Wilson can do something special this year. I, I think there is uh, merited hype for what he's done so far. Competition has been a little bit, a uh, little bit easy. It, it, it'll get a little bit harder with Houston, but we'll see if BYU adds a Boise State and or an Army or someone else. But it, the the point isn't to actually uh, compete for the Heisman because it's just not a realistic thing for a non Power Five team. BYU is the last team to win a Natty and to produce a Heisman winner, and it it even to get a vote for its first, second, or third place. There's no voting beyond that. You get in the top ten if you get a third place, second place, or first place vote, and, and so on, right? Um, Zach's efficiency is 11th in BYU history at the moment. He's doing well. Everything, everything's awesome. It is somewhat of an overstatement to think that he'd be in the top 10 by the end of the season. In fact, if you go back to, since 2011, there have only been eight players outside the Power Five who received Heisman votes at all, and only one of those was in the top three. So even then, like, think how good John Beck was and Max Hall and even Dennis Pitt. Zero votes for one, two, or three. It's, it's just really hard. So that's not it 
for me with Zach. For me, it's, oh, can he lead BYU to an undefeated season this year? We would remember him forever if he did that. No question. And can I just point out, because I saw so many people on social media reacting strongly to this little tidbit from Pat Forty about the way too early Heisman. people, you mean Ute fans. Well, BYU fans, too. <laughs> BYU fans are like, no, 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 I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Now we're cursed. No, it's, it's just so superstitious. The, re- the reaction <laughs> is so strong from, yes, Utah fans and BYU fans and any opponent for BYU. I saw some Boise State fans chiming in. Well, they have nothing to do. This is true. They're bored. Not until October 24th, and hopefully they're dealing with BYU on November 6th or 7th. Yeah, the potato harvest is later, right? The, the reaction was so strong. But I, BYU, BYU Sports Nation, the athletics department did not start this. Pat Forty Ryan started the fire. Pat Forty said it. Yes, did we shine the spotlight on it? Absolutely. Yeah. But that's what we do. We have five hours to cover a week. Pat Forty did this. Kirk Herbstreet, arguably the college football voice in the country, after BYU played one game. One game against Navy said, they're really good. Zach Wilson is really good. They might go undefeated. And at the end of the season, if they're undefeated and win impressively enough, he mentioned the phrase college football playoff, Jerem. I love Kirk, but that's just dumb. Kirk, again, this is not something that we did or BYU Athletics did. These are national voices. And, yes, we're shining the spotlight on it. So when people say, oh, Spencer, take off your blue Blue goggles. I quoted a national analyst saying something about Zach Wilson. They're already going there, Jerem, probably because there aren't a lot of college football teams playing until late October and early November. And the sample size is smaller, and BYU has overachieved. So this is – this totally makes sense to me. This hasn't. This isn't the first time this has happened. When Max Hall threw seven touchdowns against UCLA and BYU won fifty-nine to nothing in 08, Max was in a similar conversation. And BYU started the season. the season six and zero. Oh. Yeah, and that's even more merited, right? Than two and zero oh against Navy and Troy, which BYU pounded them. That was great. No, just enjoy it, right? Um, and it, it's been a minute since a BYU player even finished top ten in the Heisman. By the way, if you're talking about really getting in the conversation, which brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Here's the last player to be in the top 10 of the Heisman voting. Ty Devon, 1990. He finished year, third. The year after. So it, it takes, you have to get a first, second, or third place vote just to register in the voting, right? And then they bring the actual realistic finalists to New York City, and then they sit there and then they announce a guy, right? So, no, I don't believe that Zach Wilson's going to get a first, second, or third place vote for the Heisman this year. No. He would have to average, not joking, like, like 400. Four, it might be more. 400 plus yards per game yeah. and complete 75% of his passes and throw like 35 touchdowns and have two interceptions. Really? It, it, it'd be crazy. Yeah. that That's not going to happen. Like, Zach's going to be awesome. It's not going to be that awesome, right? And guess what? BYU's not dependent on Zach Wilson to win games for them. I think this is a team situation. Obviously, Zach is the number one offensive option as the quarterback, and he is awesome. By the way, I want to point this out. He mentioned on the Sataki show last night, because everyone's like, oh, I'm so tired of the John Beck driving the Southern California angle already in the games. Let me tell you something that matters with that, though. Last night, Zach said, 
what I learned, because we had Greg ask, what, what, uh, what did you learn the most? And he said, how to throw off platform. Okay? So now you can watch that in the games. Zach isn't squarely set up and ready in a clean pocket with good footwork always. He's having to move, and when he throws, how can he make that throw as effective as possible off-platform, meaning the footwork's not great? In some of those highlights we just rolled, he has progressed in a positive way in that regard. No question. And so that will mean more yards. That will mean more wins for BYU this year because of that work that he's put in. But I think that Tyler Algier and Lopini Katoa and that O-line and Dax Milne and Gunnar Romney, and that, this is a nice offense so far, right? I, I'm excited for the resistance that will inevitably come to BYU and the reaction that they will give, which I hope is good. And we think that could be at Houston, right? When we finally get some resistance to what BYU football is doing. And then we go, okay, how are they really? Because when, when you're playing Navy and they don't tackle and you just pound them, okay, I'll dominate, awesome. That's, that was way more than we expected. And then Troy, we thought Troy put up more of a fight. Nope, didn't happen. BYU dominates. They did what we wish they would do more often. And, and the hope of this whole situation is BYU isn't just winning, they're dominating, which they, as we've talked about, they haven't been doing the last couple of years. And so this is awesome. And hey, remind who, me, Jeremy, did BYU dominate Northern Illinois and Toledo and USF and Hawaii? Oh, yeah, and it's, it's one thing to, like, BYU's beating Navy and Troy like they beat UMass. See the difference? Like, it's, it's not FCS or UMass who's terrible. Navy it's would beat res- UMass by 40. It's respectable. Navy and Troy two years ago came off three straight years of 10 plus wins. Like this is a program that has been good. They weren't good last year. They might not even be good this year, but we'll see. Good grief. And you talk about the off platform throwing the masters of that in the NFL, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson. What's well, like Aaron Rodgers, every quarterback in they're, the NFL has just the some level of skill. elite level at doing that. And uh, it's, it's been fun to watch in terms of a ceiling this year. I think Zach is good enough to be, I don't know, AP All-American Honorable Mention as yeah. a junior, be in that conversation. Maybe third team if BYU's undefeated. Sure, yeah. And then next year, maybe he takes the next step. Maybe he's a second team All-American. It, maybe it, with a real schedule, he has an opportunity happen. to do something, right? He'll have fewer stats with against seven power fives. Yeah. There's no way that it's, happens. It's in my an mind. interesting symbiotic This is the year to yeah. do something because you're not playing anyone. So you'll win a lot of games and get notes. All right, Zach Wilson. And his BYU football teammates on Friday night will run out in the royal jerseys with white pants and the royal and white old-school BYU helmets. Our question of the day, what is your favorite BYU helmet all time? Why? Use the hashtag BYUSN. Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. Josh Hogan on Instagram answers, the white helmets with royal blue stickers are fire. But I also miss the Bronco Mendenhall idea of putting little stickers on the helmets. That's not the Bronco Mendenhall idea. That's a, it goes way back. Bring that back. Yeah. Royal blue and white helmets with the same amount of stickers John Beck had on his helmet in 2006. Listen, or Ty Detmer in the, 1990. The real winner of the helmet stickers was Jim McMahon. Looking idiots all on one side. It's covered. Just a litany of stickers. And those are based on different goals they had. I actually have a bunch of old helmet stickers uh, with the, the Sailor Coog, I think, on it. So, yeah, it's kind of fun. If someone does something good in the office, I'm like, here, a helmet sticker. Have a sticker. Yeah. You get a sticker. Continue to weigh in on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Coming up, who wins best dancer when the dust settles from BYU football? 
against Troy. Oh, this is an interesting debate. Plus, Blaine Fowler can dance. Is he all in on the early season Heisman hunt for Zach Wilson? He's holding his favorite BYU helmet. Look at the black outlines there. Nice. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Get ready for BYU hosting La Tech. Listen, no fans in the stands. We got you on Countdown to Kickoff, 8 Eastern, Friday night. There's this uh, person named Clemson Carl on Twitter, and he does his unbiased college football rankings. You ready for this? Mm Mm-hmm. One Clemson, two UCF, three BYU. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Listen, we love Los Cougars, but that's just ridiculous. Hey, it's based on uh, Un- completely merit unbiased. through two games. Yeah, well, there's going to be other people playing. It's all, it's all, BYU's good. They're not that good. Come on. I trust that dude. They're number 22. <laughs> Cle- hey, Clemson Carl. We are live in Studio B. Welcome back. This is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline is former BYU quarterback and national champion Uncle B, Blaine Fowler via Zoom. Blaine, we were just talking about helmets. You showed us a fire helmet as we went to break. Where did you get that? Who did that belong to? So that's my old helmet, but um, my helmet was too hammered. And we used to have the little helmet stickers on it. So the, my boys for Christmas one year took it in to Mick, the equipment guy, and they cleaned it all off. And the only stickers they had, they could only go back to 96. So so my helmet has the sticker pattern on it from, from that 96 team. You, you can see with the black outline and with the, with the U.S. flag and my number on it. Um, so it was just a, it was a gift from the boys to me, which was really cool. Um, so... Uh, I, I mean, 96 was a great team. Uh-huh. I'm definitely honored to have my own helmet with their stickers on it, right? Yes, so, yes. I mean, the two greatest I, seasons I like in BYU football pattern. history, right? According to most people, 84 and 96, you've got them combined into one helmet. Absolutely. One that actually got worn in 84, but has the stickers from 96 on it. Absolutely. In my mind, yes, the two best teams. Although we've talked about this before, I think uh, that 1980 team was pretty phenomenal. And then... Steve's senior season, I was on that team as well, that 83 team. I wasn't on Jim's team, his junior season, that 80 season when they beat SMU. That's maybe the best offense I've ever seen in the country. Mm. And then that 83 team that lost to Baylor on the road and then went undefeated the rest of the season and launched us into our national championship season in 84. They deserve a lot of pub too. But in terms of final national rankings, you got to go with 96 and 84, right? Yeah, n- number one and number five, hard to beat those. We uh, we argued yeah. 483 being in the convo in a, f- a special episode during the summer with Steve Young. If you missed that, it's on the BYU TV app. But I did want to ask you, um, and, and if you want to wear the helmet the rest of the interview, you're more than welcome. <laughs> uh, what what is what is your favorite helmet in BYU? It'll, it'll, tear, it'll tear out my it'll tear out my air earbuds or the earbuds. What are they called? Airpods. Ear, earbuds. It will tear out my if you want to call them earbuds, yeah. that's fun. It's a movie with the dog. I'm gonna call. Yeah. Them, I'm gonna call them earbuds because oh, yes. it would it would tear up it would tear up my earbuds. But we could teach a lesson on how to put a helmet on by putting your fingers and thumbs in the holes, uh-huh. pulling it open, uh-huh. and then sliding it over your head. But yeah. we're not gonna do that because of my earbuds. One time, one time, my parents took me to see Airbud, and the and the power went out in the middle of the movie, and I couldn't have been more excited. Oh. When I was a kid, I was like, this movie is so bad. I'm so happy to get a refund. What's your favorite helmet in BYU history? So I, I like their traditional 
that traditional look. Um, I, the, the one that I actually have in my helmet, I do think the black outline helps kind of set it off. So I, and I like that uniform. I like when they're on at home um, for them to wear the Royal with white and Royal white pants and Royal stripes. And then on the road, I like them to wear the, the white and Royal numbers with blue pants. Oh, they look pretty good. The couple of games, Zach Wilson seems to like the all Royal. And, and if he feels best in that, I'm good with that. <laughs> but, but I like that. I like that traditional combo of Royal and, and white and then switch it up on the road, white and Royal. And then, and then just this, this standard helmet to me, that's classic BYU. And that's my favorite. Uh, BYU's offense through two games looks like classic BYU, dominating the opponents 103 to 10, outscoring them by 93 points, outgaining them uh, by 1,200 plus total yards to 300 something. I mean, it's just absurd. Why is it working, Blaine? And why wasn't it working last year against the likes of Toledo and USF? Well, it's all about experience, and and we've talked about this a little bit. And so you go back to last year, you you still you had some struggles once the injury started to set in at running back. Quarterback was still a sophomore, and we were and we had injuries at the quarterback position. The offensive line was starting to come into their own, but they weren't a bunch of juniors and seniors. So, to me, Kalani told me this year was coming four years ago. And if you think about it, their first couple of recruiting classes, by the time, especially up front on both sides of the ball. By the time they went on missions, came back, grew into their positions. Hey, you remember a few years ago, we were starting Brady Christensen at left tackle as a return missionary freshman, and he weighed 255 pounds. <laughs> now, now he's a 310-pound manster, half man, half monster. <laughs> and and, and that's, that's what has happened across yes. the front. And so you have, you have experienced guys up front on both sides of the ball, You've got a junior quarterback who's been through a lot and is making great decisions. You're deep at running back. You got a couple of guys that can really play. And then on the defensive side, it's the same thing. You you have four linebackers that start that are, you know, we've had years with with Fred and and with Kyle. We've had a really, really elite level guy, but but we've got four, five, six really good backers that can play right now, and they're as sound and as deep as they've been in the secondary. So to me, it's, it's just now they have the experience to do things that they really couldn't do last year. And they've been in situations and they've been grinding through this tough spell. And, and I think this is, we've been looking forward to this year and to next year. Um, and I think it's just a matter of experience and talent at this point. Next year, seven power five. So that'll be fun. The anti 2020. Um, when you look at Zach Wilson, Second in the country among players who have played at least two games in completion percentage and efficiency. The guy ahead of him, Trevor Lawrence of Clemson. So what's the biggest difference you've seen from Zach this season? Well, his, he's getting the ball out faster. So his comfort level in the offense and what they're calling is, is night and day. Um, I feel like he put a lot of work in. We know that he worked with John Beck in this offseason. And when a quarterback's throwing a, a really high percentage, that means he's making great decisions. And we see him get to the checkdown receivers a lot quicker. The ball's coming out on time. Even the the lone interception he threw, he threw the interception because the receiver stumbled out of the break, but the ball was already on its way. Like he was anticipating that break, and he was going to throw that ball as soon as he cleared the linebacker. We weren't seeing that last year. Um, and And so I think that, his development in terms of decision-making, getting the ball out on time, 
is having a huge impact. And then it also helps that he's 100% healthy for the first time in his BYU career. Yes, thank you. Are you kidding me with that throw? How about that throw to Gunnar Romney, the back shoulder? Gunnar was throwing a fade. Zach Reed was right side. That was all mucked up in there. He comes back, and he and Gunnar are on the same page. He throws a rope 32 yards to the sideline. And and then a couple of plays later, he throws the touch pass just over the linebacker to Isaac Rex for the touchdown. And that's in my mind when I went, okay, this dude is a healthy, and he can make every throw. This is the guy they recruited, and he's just never been right physically. And now he's had a chance to grow up. He's the real deal right now. He's playing great. Yeah, so far so good. And last night he mentioned with the John Beck trainings over the summer where he would drive down for the weekend, train for two days and come back, that the thing he learned the most was how to throw off-platform, that when it's not clean or he has to be on the run or whatever. He's making some great throws, as he says, off-platform early on. Yeah, and you know what? I, I love that he's been working with John because I can think back in my mind's eye to watching John Beck as a freshman out there or even early in a sophomore year. And it seemed like every time he got sacked, he fumbled and he was pushing the ball into the places where it shouldn't be forced. And I was thinking to myself, if this dude can't figure out how to take care of the ball, he can't play. And, and, but gradually he, he learned what was going on. And John was a grinder. I mean, that guy worked like nobody. And so now he comes into his junior year and he was ridiculously good. And then his senior year, he's as good as anybody we've had his senior year. And, and so the fact that that Zach, in a similar situation, went forced it to play as a freshman, struggled some to take care of the ball, struggled a little bit last year, struggled with injuries, got smacked around with a young offensive line, his career is, is following John's. If he can have the kind of junior and senior year that John Beck had, holy cow, BYU's going to be really good this year and next year. Watch out. Pat Forty of Sports Illustrated has included Zach Wilson as one of seven quarterbacks on his too early Heisman watch list. Blaine, is it way too early for Zach to be in this type of conversation, or are you siding with a respected national analyst in this matter? Hey, when you put these pre, you know, these early season things, you, know, you look at performance on the field, and I know they've only played two games, but you you got a guy with a pass efficiency rating of over two hundred right now, uh, completing eighty percent of his passes. He's got a four to one touchdown to interception ratio, and his team is just beating the crap out of people. <laughs> I don't think I don't think it's too early to talk about that, right? If he can sustain what he's doing, he'll be in the conversation. And and so no, I I, I think that's fine. I think that who else are you gonna talk about? Who else is performing? You mentioned Trevor Lawrence. He's in a rarefied air right now in terms of what the numbers are saying and how his team is performing. I don't have any problem with all of that talk. And it helps because, obviously, BYU's undefeated. These were two winnable games. BYU crushed the two, competi- uh, two teams they competed with, which was great. We've been looking at the schedule down the road, and Tom Homel said earlier this week on the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake, hey, it's week to week. Be patient, right? We're going to have an opportunity potentially down the road, November. Tad Games, Craig Thompson last week says, hey, November 6th or 7th, right? Uh, Boise State potentially. Army's not out of the mix. Do you feel like BYU needs more than Boise State in November, another game of, of import, to get into the New Year's Six conversation letter, later should BYU be undefeated? Yeah, I, I, I think that it would be really good if they could. I'd like to see Boise, Boise State, Army, and maybe that's enough, but, but another, and I know that Tom mentioned the other day, Tom Homo, that he's been leaving a few dates open hoping to get you know, a quality opponent in November, I, I think it would be a bonus to add one. If you just get those two on the schedule, 
it all depends on how Central Florida and Cincinnati fare, right? And so you hate to say you root against somebody. You're going to root for those teams to lose a game. And if BYU goes undefeated, I like the position they're in, even if it's only Boise State and Army that are there. Um, if they don't get Boise State in the schedule, but I mean, it looks like they will. If the commissioner of the Mountain West comes out and says, they, I want them to play, even if their coach is going, man, I don't want any of that smoke, I think it's too late. The commissioner let the cat out of the bag, right? Now you now you look terrible if you don't schedule, right? Yeah. So e- even if they didn't play them, um, style points matter, unfortunately. They, they, they would have to go on a roll of just con- you know, beating these teams convincingly uh, for that run and then hope because we know that Central Florida, Cincinnati are already ahead of them in the polls. So a, a lot depends on what other folks do. Uh, but I think a Boise, an Army, and add one more team puts them right in that conversation. Blaine Fowler with us on BYU Sports Nation. Did you feel like margin mattered when you played on the teams in the 80s that were ranked where, okay, we have to beat a team. We can't just win. We have to beat them soundly to stay or climb in the polls. Did that matter to you then? For the most part, no, except for in 1984. And and for coaches to say, oh, yeah, we just – what we're telling these guys is we should take one day, day at a time, one game at a time. Oh, that's a bunch of baloney. We weren't taking one game at a time. I mean, we we're getting focused for one game. We were looking at every team in front of us in the polls and hoping for them to lose and then saying to ourselves, guys, you know, this is who we play this week. We need to blow them out. Let's go out and let's just let's kick it out there and kill these guys. Um, so we were watching the polls, and we knew that, that style points mattered for us. And unfortunately for us, the teams that were in front of us on the pole that needed to lose magically lost week after week until we climbed into that number one spot. This idea that when you get ranked up there, that that you're not looking at who's in front of you in the pole and watching those games with interest and thinking about what you need to do to move up is nonsense. Players look at that stuff. Blaine, I've got some homework for you for next week's edition of After Further Review that you need to debate with uh, Dave McCann and David Nixon, and that is – which is better, the BYU football offense or the BYU football defense right now? Save it. Save it for AFR. It's gold, yeah. man. It's gold. We'll do it. We'll do it. All right. We appreciate the time, my friend, and uh, thanks for the helmet insight. You got it, guys. Good to talk to you. Blaine Fowler on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why. We show how. Yeah, there's a certain amount of luck to what happened in 84, right? But the thing that BYU controlled was winning and winning big. So that's what BYU can do right now to impress. And, and Blaine mentioned UCF and Cincy. Like, what they do matters as it pertains to whether they want to schedule BYU. Again, BYU does not have Group 5 access to the New York Six. They would basically need to be undefeated and then out at large a Power 5 league to get in. That's why margin matters. It's weird to hope for COVID weirdness, but BYU would be a benefactor. As it pertains to competition, not people with COVID. Yes. BYU would be a benefactor in the scheduling of that if some Power 5 conferences had something that happened to the Tennessee Titans and the Minnesota Vikings in the NFL. Right, fewer games or, or something. Or Troy in South Alabama, for that matter. By right, the way, it was right. not Troy. It was South Alabama. That game is being postponed, right, this Saturday? Correct. Yes? Okay. The rivalry game in the Sun Belt postponed. Rivalry. Well, okay. I thought, well, North Alabama's offended, I guess. Coming up, how BYU is going to help the athletes get paid. And which college basketball bracketologist has it right when it comes to this year's edition of BYU Hoops? This is BYU Sports Nation. Has it right, huh? (laughs) This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Visible Supply Chain Management. 
BYU Football's Kalani's Talk is on demand on the BYU TV app. Greg Bell chats with the coach, Zach Wilson. Deep Blue looks at Jaron Hall. And BYU players high-fiving or hugging refs since 2011. It's also coming up on BYU TV at the top of the hour right after. He is Jerem Jordan. I'm Spencer Linton. Let me clarify. I, last segment, was not wishing COVID-19 on anyone specifically. Just saying that if there is an outbreak, BYU would be the benefactor of scheduling in November. Yeah, there's an opportunity for BYU potentially to reschedule, as Tom Holmes mentioned. So hopefully BYU can get a, a good game or two to really validate this team because, uh, again, resistance will happen for BYU, but the hope is that BYU can overcome it with victories uh, against good competition and then uh, kind of validate what they're doing. Let's go. And let's get to the Cougar whip around. Presented by Visible Supply Chain Management. Tackling America's most challenging shipping problems. Saturday, there was much to dance about, but who was the best in dancing Saturday against Troy? Uh, it was Isaac Rex, clearly, Jerem. And it's it's not close. I mean, as much as I love Billy Nixon and Jason Ayu, the best dance move I saw all night was the attempt at the cabbage patch after Isaac Rex touchdown catch, inspired by Kalani Satake, though he did not tell his players to do it after a touchdown. Yeah, that should have been a penalty, right? Uh, it was Wes Wright who uh, was the one that was giving me Night at the Roxbury vibes. <laughs> <laughs> Wes Wright was right there. Fantastic. Uh, and in fact, here's, it, Wes! A, here's Isaac Rex explaining himself yesterday to the media about the dancing. I catch a touchdown. I do the cabbage patch, and all of a sudden, the announcers, everyone's blowing me up, saying I'm the worst dancer ever. Why would you, why would you pick the cabbage patch, the oldest dance in the book? <laughs> do something hip, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm listening to my coach. I'm being obedient to my coach and trying to follow his, his counsel, and then I'm also just trying to, you know, have some fun. So everyone was kind of roasting me, but I kind of liked it and it was fun and. You know, I'm going to keep doing it. I don't want to listen to haters. I'm going to keep uh, cabbage patching. <laughs> his, his counsel? I'm just trying to be obedient to my coach and well, follow his counsel. Context. Before the game, Kalani explained the cabbage patch, but like he was like, I wasn't meant to be in the game. I love the Rex That's family. Funny. Byron, Isaac, hey, the whole family. Hey, at least it wasn't a Hawaii uh, Byron Rex uh, celebration. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> If you know, you know. <laughs> hey, let's hope there's more dancing on Friday night, huh? Yeah. The Athletic, the magazine, Chris Vanini of The Athletic has BYU as fifth in his group of five power rankings. Remember when we had our group of five power rankings, Jaron, back in 2014? No, we called it the top non the non P5. The top five non P5. The top five non P5. Because BYU is not a Power Five team, despite that one guy yelling at me in the Smithfield last few years ago. Okay, so Chris Vanini is doing his own top five non P5 power rankings. BYU, again, number five behind Memphis, Cincinnati, UCF, and one and one Arkansas State. Any issues with this top five, Jerem? Yeah, BYU should definitely be in front of Arkansas State. I know they beat Kansas State, but the way BYU is playing, impressive. I do think, uh, you know, Cincy should be above BYU. Memphis behind BYU in the yep. AP poll, by the way. I think BYU should be second on the list of Cincy. Okay. But it's BYU's not a group of five team. They're a non-power five team. So, yeah. You like BYU above UCF? Yeah. Huh. The way they're playing. Okay. Yeah. Although UCF did win at Georgia Tech convincingly. Yes. So I have the Cougars right now, number three. But, hey, look, number two. Two, three. You are number two. Yeah. 
<laughs> Andy Katz says BYU has an 11 seed in his recent bracket. Uh, Lenardi has BYU out in his latest bracket. Who's closer to a correct prediction? I'm going to go with Andy Katz on this one. I, we both believe strongly that BYU has compiled enough talent, transfer nation, the transfer nation under Mark Pope, to be an NCAA tournament team. So I think Andy Katz is on this. BYU should be projected in the field right now based on the talent and the direction that the program is heading. I do not think BYU should be in the field as currently constituted. Although I'm looking at it a little different. I'm thinking he's saying if like the tournament started today as opposed to in March. If it's in March, I think BYU would be in it. But right now, I don't think BYU deserves it. I think they need to prove themselves. That doesn't mean I don't think they will. Just think about it. Blind resume, a team that was in the top 20 lost its top three scores, and they're traditionally not in the top 25. Should they be in that same category? No. Yes, based uh, on who Yoli they brought Child. in. No. BYU did not bring in equivalents of Yoli Childs, TJ House, and Jake Tilson. They did not. This group will coalesce and form something that we hope is good. But I don't I don't believe they'll be as good as last year's team, but they'll still be a tournament. I think that Matt Harms is the reason that Andy Katz has BYU as an 11 seed right now, and I tend to agree with that. I think he's that much of a difference maker at the rim. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. I, I don't. Fun debate. Okay, coming up, the greater Cougar debate. Plus, how BYU Athletics is pioneering the name, image, and likeness compensation movement for student-athletes. Stuart Call of BYU Athletics joins us next. This is BYU Sports Nation. In the team room, ready to go. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU Radio has your pregame coverage, game coverage, postgame coverage all day, baby. Start 7 Eastern. Jason Shepard, Riley Nelson, Greg Bell, Mitchell Jurgens, BYU and Louisiana Tech, BYU Radio, and the free app Friday night. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live in Studio B. Joining us now, our second guest and making his show debut. And is, a Copper Hills Grizzly, by the way. Of course, we had to sneak that in there. Stuart Call, BYU Athletics Executive Director of Creative Strategy and Video on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline via Zoom from the BYU Football Student Athlete Building. And Stu, um, this has been a long time coming. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation. Well, thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited to be here. Other than running Urban Meyer's uh, Twitter account at Ohio State, where does this interview on BYU Sports Nation rank on your professional pinnacle chart? A very close second to that. (laughs) (laughs) Stu, we love what BYU Cougar Social does and all the different social stuff, and we're going to dive into kind of athletes and name, image, likeness in a second, but tell people what it is that you and your team do for BYU Athletics. Yeah, so pretty much anything involving uh, social media or that digital space, uh, my team and I uh, oversee the production and strategy behind that content. What do you see in terms of trends of the growth of BYU as it pertains to social media with Instagram, uh, obviously Twitter, Facebook, and now diving into the world of TikTok? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Cougar Nation is great. So their uh, their support and their engagement on social media has really helped us to grow. And um, it's it's been fun to watch that over the years. And as new platforms arise and, and kind of take shape, most recently TikTok, it, it's great to see the uh, Cougar Nation in a different space. And each platform is a little bit, uh, a little bit different segment of, of the fans. So it's really fun to watch. I know that there are rankings put out by a company called Skull Sparks, I believe is what it is. Uh, where, where does BYU rank? If you can hone in on a ranking right now for social media engagement. 
Yeah, um, engagement is great, and, and it really uh, it varies based on the team and the overall uh, program. But we're hanging right in there in the top twenty-five, so feel good about that, and uh, just continuing to try to grow and get higher and higher. Okay, football and social media in the top twenty-five. That's great. I love it. Yes. Okay, let's talk about what you guys announced last week. BYU Athletics is partnering partnering with Open Doors in an effort to help athletes monetize their name, image, and likeness. NIL. Tell us what this means for the athletes and what this means for BYU Athletics in helping the athletes. Yeah, so the NCAA legislation is essentially progressing towards a future where student-athletes can profit off of and capitalize on their name, image, and likeness. So um, we're excited about this program. It's going to help us to build our student-athletes' brands on social media, and we're, we're trying to prepare them so that when that time comes – that they'll be uh, right there ready to take off and, and, and profit off of their, their name, image, and likeness. So how, how will this happen? That's a loaded question. Yeah, so there's, there's three pillars to, to this program that we've announced, the READY program. Um, there's assessment, education, and performance. And it's those three pillars that um, will help these athletes to grow and to improve their brand. The assessment um, part of the program will be able to go in and tell the student athletes where their strengths and weaknesses are in relation to their personal social media accounts. Education is exactly that. We'll be able to teach them best practices and, and how to improve their brand so that they are more valuable in that space. And then performance, we'll be able to tell them how how all their content is is performing, and um, then it all relates back to that education, how they can keep getting better and keep adding more value to their brand. So Shaylee Gonzalez of BYU Women's Basketball comes to mind, Stu, uh, because she already has an established brand on YouTube and is a growing star on TikTok and on Instagram. Um, do you, Are these athletes uh, kind of looking to her as a model, or are you, are you going to use – her as like, uh, I guess, a, t- a test pilot, if you will? Yeah, if they're not looking to her already, they definitely should be. She's um, uh, a model of success and how to do things on social media. She has a great platform and a great presence. And uh, she's one of those athletes that stands to do very well when when that um, legislation takes effect and they can start profiting off their name, image, and likeness. So we hope to, to get the rest of the student athletes there. I know it's been years of, uh, of hard work for Shaylee, so it's not something that'll happen overnight, but our goal is to make sure that, that all these student athletes are, are able to profit. So you'd think that football and men's hoops would be the ones that would profit the most, right? But what, what's, what's the, uh, reality of the situation with the, uh, Olympic sports, the other sports that, some of them do have brands that are big enough to probably make money off of. Yeah. And, and really I think Shaley's a great example of that. And if you just work hard and you build a brand and find your niche, you're going to be able to have followers and, and, uh, and to grow your brand and, and to succeed. Um, you don't necessarily have to be a football player or a men's basketball player or a superstar in the space to be profitable. That's something that, that open doors is going to help these, these student athletes with and to help teach them that you don't have to be a Heisman trophy runner to, to make money. Um, obviously your Trevor Lawrence's and people like that of the world, um, are in a great place to do that, but yeah, you, you can be any student athlete that, 
that has a good brand and is fun to watch and follow and and you're going to be in a good position I think all these athletes are watching this going, hey, how can I make money? And they're texting you right now. We're, we're hearing that. Yeah. You're popular. Oh, you're yeah. very, you're... I, I thought I shut down my iMessage, but apparently not. <laughs> all good. All good. You're not the first. It's all good. Um, what, so where do we stand on that legislation? Because it sounded like, yes, we're going to uh, allow this to happen. But So we don't know the details necessarily yet of not only when this goes in, but how it, it, it's going to be enacted and what the rules are with it and what SEC schools will then break with this later. Yeah, our, our compliance folks will probably be a lot more, uh, a lot more helpful in, in giving specifics regarding all this. But it sounds like we're looking at uh, next summer, that 2021-22 uh, season is when this will take effect. Um, but yeah, as to the official, all the rules and all the, the good compliance stuff around all that, um, yeah, a lot of that's being sorted out and still being figured out. But uh, we have great compliance people here and open doors um, in partnership with those guys and myself and team. We're going to hopefully be ready to to help these athletes when that season hits. Okay. I'm going to te- summer 2021. I'm going to text you and see if we can hear it right here. Oh my goodness. Jeremy is sending Stuart. Yep, oh, there was. That's immediate. Okay. That yeah. is so <laughs> fast. <laughs> And I did check. It was shut down. So, you know, good, good old Matt keeping me up to date. <laughs> <laughs> Stuart, we appreciate the insight into kind of a, a cool pioneering adventure for not just uh, BYU athletes, but collegiate athletes all over the country. And uh, great to have you on BYU Sports Nation, man. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Hopefully I'll be uh, live in studio next time. If okay. There, if there yes. Is. Yeah, we'll, we'll yes. work on that. Just bring us some swag and we'll take care of it. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> Okay. Stuart Call on the Desert First Credit Union Hotline. Desert First, you know why we show how. Listen, what Stu didn't say, because he's a humble dude, is he just took on a ton of more work. Oh, he, man. he and his team just took on a ton of more work because they've been working to help BYU Athletics, the players already on social, but now they'll help the individuals themselves. That's a lot of work. But it's a thing in recruiting. Everyone's going to say, hey, come to my school because we think that your value is this and you could make this and da-da-da. Hopefully Silicon Slopes helps with all this. But there's still rules to figure out of, okay, you can't just hand a bag of money to so- someone for this, can you? Because now now, be- now it's going to be tough to compete with the big boys, but he hopes to be a big boy in well, this Well, they're realm. being proactive, which right. I love. Yes. They're trying to lead out in all of this, and yes. I love that. I think it's going to be a huge boon for recruiting. In some things, BYU waits. In some things, BYU does not wait. Right, And this is a don't wait, go after it, and uh, be proactive, like you said. Okay, coming up, the great Cougar debate with less yelling than last night. You have two minutes to wait before said debate. <laughs> Uninterrupted or interrupted, whatever. This is BYU Sports Nation. Oh, man, you're a poet, dude. This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. BYU Sports Nation's Rise and Shoutout is presented by Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward. BYU Sports Nation available anytime on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Download the podcast, Google BYU Sports Nation podcast. It's time for the great Cougar debate presented by Tim Daly Ford, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group serving Utah since 1968. Our moderator, Ben Bagley, now has the floor. Well, guys, we're going to have a great Cougar debate this moment. We ask for civility and decorum as I ask these questions. Am I debating you? you? Please do not interrupt. I'm not surprised. First question. Spencer, you claim the offense is more valuable to BYU's overall success. Truth. While Jerem, you claim it's the defense. 
Why is your side the best answer? Two minutes, Spencer. You can't win games if you don't score points. And you can't get on the national radar if you don't score a lot of points. Also, BYU's defense is minus one in the turnover creation margin through two games. It's been the BYU offense. But you created offense. this. It's been you the created BYU that margin. offense that has taken care of business. No one's talking about BYU if they're winning 14-3 to and 21-7. to You were left with offense before. Fake news. didn't use it. Fake news. Uh, There's no need for a lot of offense right now to win games. There's just not. Because the defense has allowed three and seven points. The game-winning scores happen at five and 20 minutes in. You you just cruise to the end, right? The defense is keeping this minimal. But why did your son have five cougar tails at the last game? Because he was hungry. Why were they giving to him? Because he was hungry. Gentlemen, civility and decorum. Just, we hold ourselves just to a higher shut standard. Up, man. How can I how can I do this with this clown? <laughs> the defense is second in points, first in yards. That is a winning formula. That is a winning formula. The offense is also, I think, second in points and second in yards. <laughs> but second in this debate. <laughs> you are number two. We're doing phenomenally. <laughs> We just wanted a chance to yell at each other. <laughs> you just shut it, up, man. We just You're shut a up. Clown. Man. It's name calling. Oh, our question at of the day. At least it wasn't juvenile. <laughs> our question of the day. I dare I say that was more uh, composed than what happened last night. What is your favorite BYU football helmet of all time? Our elite voice of the day, presented by Sundance Mountain Resort. My old roommate, Ryan. You read it. The ones we wore against Troy, the Royal Trim Pops, also were not Yale. The stretch wide belongs to us. We all need to pretend that the bib era never happened. All right. Today's Rise and Shout Out presented by Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward. NBA Finals Game 1, seven MLB playoff games tonight. Eight baseball games today. today. Our thanks to today's guests. For Jerem, I am Spencer. Shout out to Chris Ellison. 